Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. This podcast presents the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to role-playing game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers and of Double Exposure with their amazing game design convention, Metatopia. Episode 131, Managing RPG Development Teams. Recorded at Metatopia 2016. Presented by Emily Dresner, Fred Hicks, and Rob Donahue. So, like, literally, there were once five great cities, but they depleted whatever. Uh-huh. And 600 years ago, all the cities moved. Can we... Uh, and there are now still five great cities, and all the old cities are still, like, there as ruins. Can, right. can we talk about the fact that Will gave me the thumbs up of using his games for interactive fiction? You, uh, experience? you could. No, this is shit. also not RPG yeah, but he, product He management. said, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, so, man, I, mean, yes. I, don't th- I don't think he knows what he just said yes to. I don't think he does, but no. he's in for a treat. Okay. So, hi, we're enthusiastic. Right. <laughs> Hello. Uh, uh, and perhaps the best segue is here, a project manager will help keep you on task. Yes. <laughs> so, that's welcome. That's is not present right one. now for managing yep. us. Welcome to how to uh, manage teams for creating your RPG. Right. Uh, an interesting and problematic uh, topic because, as everyone knows, RPG designers are difficult to wrangle and hard to feed. Um, and um, a little unpredictable. Uh, I think at this point every face here looks familiar, but on the off chance they're not. Hi, I'm Rob. Hi, uh, Rob. Yep, I'm, I'm from Evil Hat Productions. I freelance a bit, and uh, I do project management as my day job. Um, and I'm a little tiny bit of a nerd about it. Uh, I'm Fred Hicks. I run Evil Hat, uh, and uh, I don't do any project management at all. I hired someone, and because we hired someone, all of our products have been delivered pretty much on time in the last three years. Right. Uh, uh, and had we not, so uh, I, I'm well aware of the value of project uh, management uh, in getting an RPG out the door. Um, so how do we really define? Hang on, hang on. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize yeah. she had because yep. I was running I, I'm, around. I'm hiding in the corner. Excellent. Surfers. Yes, and I'm tired enough to be slightly psychotic. Excellent. Uh, I'm Emily Dresner. I am a uh, game design gadfly. I think that's my official title. I like title. that. That's I like legit. that. Getting on a card. Who do I hang around with? I, so I hang around with seven or eight companies, and uh, one of them is Evil Hat. Um, in my day job, I build engineering teams from nobody to uh, actually we're on ramp to 60 people in six months. 
so uh, so professionally, I build companies. That, that's what I do for a living. Uh, okay. All right. So, uh, what is project management in an RPG context? Okay. Rob? Well, project management in an RPG context is much the same as it is everywhere else. It's meta work. Um, there is, if you are doing something, then a certain amount of effort is going to be spent doing the work, and then, depending upon the situation, a slice of a certain size is going to be spent doing the work necessary to support the work. Right. And if you're working by yourself then that proportion is pretty lopsided because you can spend a lot of time doing the work and hopefully uh, you might need to put up a website or you might need to buy some fonts or attend a conference. Great, that's awesome, it's a little bit of your time and that's totally reasonable, but most of the time you can focus on the work and that's as it should be. But then you add people and as we all know, people ruin everything. Once you add a second person, things are gonna get a little more complicated. Once you add a fourth person, things have gotten exponentially more complicated. And the amount of meta work going on has increased with each additional person because each additional person has increased the load of communication, of coordination, of potentially... Hmm? I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I just wanna make yeah. sure that I'm hearing it clearly or not. You're saying meta work as in meta not yes, not not metal, metal work. Yes, metal. As in, oh, no, I mean, no, we're yes. metal. Project, yes. Metaphor, no, no. Okay. Project project management is totally metal, but it is, <laughs> um, but it is more meta, and that is, and that is what. And so, I mean, a, a, anyone who's done work with just one person knows that that you spend more time coordinating and and trying to figure things out. And as that number increases, it takes more and more bandwidth, and eventually you realize, wow. I have these, these four super talented people that I have are spending 25% of their time actually doing the work that I, I have them hired for. And 75% of their time trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing and what other people are doing and coordinating. And so I'm wasting 300% of a smart person. So instead of wasting that much, why don't I just hire one person whose job it is to handle all that meta work and keep it all coordinated and make sure that all of those people know what they need to be doing so that they can be like 90% work. And this person can handle that. And so if you look at that, yep, cost of adding one person, yep, that's increased things. It increased my cost by 20, 25% there. But uh, uh, my productivity has just gone up by, oh, 300%. Yep. So uh, I think it's particularly important, speaking as somebody who uh, you know, has a project manager reporting to him, uh, uh, I think it's very important when you are setting up this person that you make it very clear to everyone involved that that person has your authority. Um, that, uh, you know, that, and, and you're very clear about what it is that they own in the process. They own the calendar. <laughs> they own uh, uh, status, uh, you know, current status, the ability to assess that, the ability to communicate that. They own uh, uh, the uh, the, the process of making sure that the team is clearly and cleanly communicating with Communi one another. The fact that they own communication They is own huge. clarity to an yep. extent there, right? Uh, clarity of process, or cl clarity of, of the work rather than internal to the work. Um, and uh, uh, if you're not clear about that stuff, you can end up with someone who is nominally a project manager and isn't actually getting much, pro much project management done either because they don't have 
the, the backing of authority, then nobody's really listening to them or they don't own enough of the schedule in order to see how it fits into the bigger picture and all of that stuff. A bad project manager is one who is merely reporting what is going on. A good project manager is shaping what is going on and then reporting on it. Right. So, and in, in my world, right, uh, we usually start with, and like I'll, I'll so step back a bit. I come to Metatopia, I talk to a lot of one-man startups, yep. right? Lots and lots and lots of the game companies, people that are showing here are one and two-man startups. And you really, really are startup companies, people who would like to put out a product for sale and actually try to make some money off of it. And when you're a one-man or a two-man startup, right, it's actually really easy to coordinate everything because you really just have to mumble to yourself during your commute all day of, you know, there's only one there's only one person who's on the hook for delivering everything. And if you're only working on one product and that one product is 64 pages and you know enough layout that you can put it out there and you're just going to do a PDF, uh, you can do everything yourself. Yeah. It's it's 100% conceivable to be able to ship a product all by yourself. Mm -hmm. But dear god, if you are successful and you're going to do two products at once, are you going to do three products at once? Or that 64 page PDF, you really want to print into a hardcover book and you want it shipped. Or you want to have it and specially made dice, right? You discovered that when you are a serial process, right? You as a human being do not actually physically scale because you are made of meat. You'll discover that you're like, Linear meat. I'm spending 90% of my time talking to Chinese distributors, distributors and 10% of my time working on my game. It is now going to take an infinite amount of time to work on my yes. game, right? So you say to yourself, self, it would be really awesome if there were two people working on this project. At that point, we're starting to talk about freelancers because we're still not big enough to actually bring on any full-time work, right? So we've got some contractors and we bring them on. It's essentially what freelancers are, they're contractors and for a short amount of time that maybe will take care of your dis distribution problem. And you discovered that that's successful, that's great. Now you'd like to work on something bigger and perhaps you'll need someone yeah. to coordinate your art and coordinate your distribution or coordinate your art, your distribution, your legal, and now we're doing the cha-cha, right? Yeah. So now you've got a lot of people and uh, the path to success is the path for, to, to Initial financial success can be a giant failure if there isn't a sort of a movement to plan. Right. And all about expanding the company from a project management standpoint is trying to be very strategic about where you will place your resources. I know I sound like a pointing hair manager at this point, but it does become sort of a chess game of where you want to apply your resources. Do you want to hire freelancers? Mm -hmm. How much do you want to pay them? How much budget do you have? Managing five freelancers is going to be a huge headache if you're doing it all by yourself. Right. You'll have yeah. no time to work on it. And I think a lot of and these questions get asked by a project exactly. manager when you're The project them manager on, doesn't right? answer yeah. these questions. The project manager makes sure you can a have answered these questions. The project manager, by and large, doesn't give a shit. <laughs> your product, I, I mean, it's nice if your project manager is actually invested personally and thinks your things, but actually you don't want them too invested in it. You want, the, the, what the project manager needs to care about is that everybody is doing the best work that they can and that the work that they are doing is the right work. And as a project manager, uh, 
they do not necessarily know what the best work is. Because theoretically, you as the owner of your company and as the person who has this vision and this roadmap, you are making the decisions for where the company are going. And the project manager is going, yes, we are going to make that, that thing that you have said. Let me ask some clarifying questions about it. Great. We're going to make that fucking thing happen. Well, and, and when the project manager's uh, uh, meta work is, uh, is meta working well, uh, it, it, it looks like voodoo. Like they, they came in there, they asked five questions, you gave them a, you know, some answers, they went and talked to the two other people who were on the project and asked a few more questions, and suddenly everything's more efficient, and it doesn't seem like much really happened there. This is why it's meta work. I, you, I'm actually, you I'm cannot actually, actually register that. There is a magic oh, trick God. to that. You're not supposed to. No, no. Okay. So here's, here's, here's the true project manager's magic trick <laughs> the project manager is the person who understands what not to do. You, let's assume you are working with smart, capable people, and we all like to think we are and hope we are, and that is what we want to do. And that means we have hardworking people who want to throw themselves at problems. But sometimes that is not the right answer. Enthusiasm and charging straight ahead in the face of a problem that has come up, sometimes that solves the problem, but usually it turns a bad situation into a worse and more complicated situation. Because this thing went wrong, and Steve put in the patch to fix it, but didn't tell Tom about it. And so Tom's been working all weekend to put in a different fix for it. And he's just shipped that. But because of this fix over here that no one knows anything about, the whole system has gone down. And now everyone's going to have to work overtime for the next four, out, four weeks to get this all fixed. Because nobody just stopped and talked for 20 minutes. And the project manager is the person whose job it is to protect us from ourselves. Because... We are enthusiastic and we mean well, but we are all subject to things that let us make stupid decisions in the moment. When we are panicked and afraid, the project manager is the person, is that annoying person who says, okay, well in this situation, we call these four people and we have a meeting and we, do, and we talk about this and then we take some action. They are the person who says, this is not going to deliver on time. And the correct answer to dealing with that is not, no, we'll just work harder and we'll make it. He is the person, no, we're not going to deliver on time and we need to start making a plan predicated on that not delivering on time. Optimism is not going to carry us very far. The, the, the project manager is the person who saves us from ourselves when we've been given a deadline that's three months out and we haven't worried about it and haven't worried about it and haven't worried about it and then we're super stressed out and trying to crunch it in at the last 30 seconds and no one's heard anything from anybody. The project manager is the person who's reached out every two weeks and done a check-in yep. so that everyone knows at every stage along the way how things are going rather than it all being a surprise at the end. And that is, we have been talking about like multi-person teams, but that is something that can be applied to an individual. And if you are working in like deep indie land and it's just you, uh, you might still have a friend who'd be very good at regularly checking in and just saying, so how's the project coming? Have you, have you thought about these parts of it? Like just somebody who's good at asking you questions that make you like pause, go, you know what, I do need to add that step to what I'm doing now. Like, that's someone that you can get, like, not maybe full full formal project management help from, but in the, like, self-publisher uh, uh, kind of context, you can still potentially find someone who can be, who can fill that role for you at the scale that you're at. You're gonna wanna look for something more formal if you're, you know, looking to grow from individual to company. 
but because uh, uh, certainly once you have multiple people and you're going to need a person whose yeah. job is looking at that, how that system is working. Um, but it can be applied to the individual as well. Um, so I, I just want to make sure we're also scaling yeah. down to the to sort of the Metatopia scale of things uh, well, with, with these concepts. So I, I think that what we're driving at is something that's called delivery, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is called from in your head to a product that is in your hot little hands. Yes. Right. And, and they oversee the pipeline from the end of that. And uh, to be able to to not over not only oversee the entire pipeline from inception to the point that it rolls off the docks from some cr uh, container ship from China, but maybe. To, or maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's just drops it off on your porch. Or, yeah, it could be that too. Yeah, or uh, it just is printed out on your printer as a, as a PDF. Right. But it's understanding all the different details on the way between creation and delivery, right? So if there's legal agreements, if you decide to contract out your art and you buy some art from people, what, what do you need? When does that show up? When exactly do you need that art in the part of your uh, process of your project? You probably don't need it up front. You probably need it at the back end. Yeah. So. If you are by yourself and you are in charge of your own budget and you're dealing with your own money, it is also managing exactly the points in time that you're going to do a spend and understanding how much of that spend you're going to apply to different parts of your project to ensure that you get the best possible results and be able to recover from disaster when the art shows up and it's not what you want it to be. Yes. And this is, so we, we get into two things here. Um, one of them is risk management. Um, and risk management is how grown-ups manage projects, and, and we'll get, uh, get around to that. Um, but the other one is, is a term of art, which some of you have probably heard, and it's all words that you know, but it is, it's a phrase that you, that you want to learn and love, and that is called the definition of done. Um, this is one that you get in software a lot, but it's applicable in almost everything, and that is when we sit down and say we're going we're gonna to do a thing, one of the most critical questions that can be asked is how will I know when we're done? And this is hard in a lot of creative things because is this piece of writing done when the 500 words have been written? Well, no, they might be horribly crappy 500 words. Okay, are they done after they've been reviewed? Well, no, we maybe need to do something else. Or maybe once it's been put through the editor once, then this chunk of work is done and it is now moved into a different chunk of work. Now the editor has this pile of, of words that he has to deal with, but it's a different beast of work. Being able to ask, how will I know it is done, is the best way to determine if your plan sucks. Because if your plan is squishy, then you will know it's done when you see it. And that should be putting up all the red flags in the freaking world that, that you have a problem. Because then you're going to get to what might be the end, and you're just going to keep going or ambling along, and you're going to be throwing money, and probably eventually good money after bad, because you have no idea how to tell if you're wasting money or not. Uh, I'm going to get into risk management in a minute, but uh, do, do, do you want to ask a question? Or I, I we will absolutely open up to yeah. questions for a moment. Uh, so I, I will do the very short version of risk yeah, management. Yeah, let's do that. So we've got a um, the, another thing that often ends up in uh, risk, man the, the risk management has a bunch of components, but what it, the bottom li the bottom line it is is things are going to go wrong or things might go wrong. And one way to deal with that is to pretend it can't possibly happen. Um, 
And this is surprisingly common, especially when the thing that might go wrong is bad enough that it was just torpedo the whole project. Um, like, it, it, in so on software terms, what if the, 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 the library that we're going to use has a license that is not compatible with, with the product we're planning to sell? That's, that could kill your product dead. What Rewriting that is shipping company that's bringing our container product over goes bankrupt, goes bankrupt. Midway, and you can't get anything. And yet, their so. stuff is floating out. And yeah. the rub is, and there's an instinct to not, to just not worry about it. To say that problem is so big that I can't do anything about it, so why waste the bandwidth? And while that's emotionally satisfying, it's not smart. Because you need to at least think through these things and say, one, is there anything that I can do about it? And if so, how much would that cost? And at that point, you can do a very reasonable equation that says, okay, and now how likely is it to happen? And if it's 20% likely to happen, then, and it costs a million dollars to prevent it, then you're like, I'm willing to risk that 20%, because that million dollars is not worth it to me. If it's 20% likely to happen, but it's gonna cost me 50 bucks to get some insurance, okay, 50 bucks is a good price to pay. You can figure out the balance for that. The other thing that you can do is you can say, how will I tell if this is going to happen? So to use the company going, that, that's your shipper going bankrupt, that may seem kind of crazy, but if you actually walk through all the steps of, of your thing and you say, our product getting shipped to us is kind of a big deal. So the health of our shipping company is kind of a big deal. So you know what? Maybe two or three times over the course of this project, I should Google the name of our shipping company and see if there's any news about them. Yeah. That's taken me a minute and a half, and it's raised a red flag and given me a warning before an epically bad problem has happened, which probably won't happen. This was probably a minute and a half of wasted effort, but I can, I can live with that. Um, there's a whole lot more to risk management that there's some great math that, that has to do with saying people are terrible at estimating things, because they are, we're all terrible at estimating things, but if you can come up with a few basic assumptions and understand probability curves a little tiny bit, then you can at least make projections that have reasonable scopes for when things are gonna deliver. And if you really wanna dig into it, uh, there's a book called Waltzing with Bears that's a ton of fun uh, and, and very well written. Um, and it, but this is deep nerdy stuff that I wouldn't get too far into. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, questions or do you do? Do we have yeah. any questions? Yeah. Let's. Oh, let's. Uh, Jim. Go ahead. Fire away. No, no just go. We're, we we're just kind of wanted to find a bunch of terms for people. We're, 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 Okay. Yep. No, no. That's a great question, and I'm going to tell you that, it, that you don't just want to answer that when things went wrong. The, a critical thing to do at the end of any, any project, successful or unsuccessful, is a retrospective. Is to pull in together, talk to people, ask them what they think worked out well, ask them what they think went wrong, ask them what lessons we learned from it. Um, that, that is how you gain knowledge and how you go forward. And if, you, if that conversation is something you have uh, at a regular basis, then when things go wrong, 
you you don't need to ask. People are already ready to tell you where things happened. And you've also kind of pre-scouted the, the, the overall map so that you've got it like, okay, well, because it went wrong in this way, that seems like it would be a failure around this region of this map of the successful pro project. Uh, uh, so let's go back there and start from there to begin the investigation. And you've now tra you've trained people to not be defensive when you ask questions. Because yeah. if, if I only want a retrospective when something went wrong, I am clearly looking for a scapegoat. That's, that's what's going on. But if I'm asking questions every time, if I'm regularly checking in, then the fact that things went wrong is, does not, is just, it's just what happens. I always ask questions. So it's not, people don't have to worry about covering their ass. And what, one thing I will add is, regardless if things are going wrong or going fantastic or completely on track, one of the most important tools that you have in your toolbox is a regular check-in or yeah. stand-up. It does not have to be particularly long. It doesn't have to be particularly deep. All you need are the right stakeholders to be on the call, even if you only do it once a week. You can either say, yeah, this is on track, this is working, this is where everything's at, and then you know it's a five-minute call and everybody goes off their way. But if you're like, well, the shipment hasn't shown up, or this particular allotment of art that we liked, it just didn't turn out the way we wanted, or yeah, there yeah. was a botch at the printer, then you have plenty of time to course correct. Yeah. If you wait until all the way to your due date and say, oh my God, this is a fiasco, all these things happened, then you could have gotten ahead of it very, very early and yep. dealt with it as they came up. Communication is one of the number one biggest tools in the toolbox for maintaining a smoothly operating organization. Yeah. And, I think, and I think a project manager is doing a certain amount of culture crafting here for your company here, right? You're, you're trying to set up this environment and we try to be very explicit in our communication with uh, our talent at, at, of all spectrum at uh, Eagle Hat that uh, uh, telling us that something is going wrong or might be going wrong as early as possible gets you praise. Yes. Yeah. Right? And we certainly don't want to blame people, but it's going to look real bad if you sat on, the, oh crap, this isn't going to deliver, or oh god, I feel like I might not deliver for six weeks, and then we find out. Right, because there are all sorts of balls that get rolling, especially the larger your company is, and particularly when you start getting really serious about marketing, because marketing needs crazy long lead times that you don't that that for some kinds of products you don't need in order to produce them. Like I can get a book out the door in half the time it takes for marketing ramp up to really get the word out about that book. Uh, so uh, like just recently, uh, Sean and I lost uh, who's our project manager lost sight that we actually needed to be art complete on something so the PDF could be sent out and reviews could get started before the book actually went to the printer. But I'm like, oh, it'll only take us about like half that time to uh, 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 get this book to the, the printer. So yeah, um, doing the art in December sounds fine. Well, actually we needed it complete by early to mid-November. Um, and like because Sean and I are regularly communicating and things like that, and I was regularly communicating with uh, 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 our marketing person. When she said, hey, I'd like the PDF, I'm like, oh crap, I said the very wrong thing. And you know, we were able to like backtrack and, and, and rejigger things. And it wasn't really anybody super screwed up. I'm like, okay, yeah, I kind of said the wrong thing. And Sean said, said the wrong thing. But we, we got it all sorted now because we're, we've got this very regular b uh, uh, rhythm of communication. And we know all of the parts and we're 
we know how our parts connect to the other parts and all of that. And, th and this is back to the area of protecting us from ourselves as well, because yeah. there, there is a naive instinct to think that if something like that goes wrong, someone screws up and, and keeps it hidden, it's that's, that it's malicious or incompetent and they're, they're covering their ass or doing that. But no, it's, again, to come back, we're working wherever you are. You, if you have any choice, you're working with smart, competent people who mean well. And what happened is something went wrong and they are now single-handedly trying to heroically save it. And they're not asking for help because they screwed up. And they don't want to put this on anyone else. They're they're gonna they're gonna fix this by God, and so unless you can pull that out of them with regular communication, their best instincts are gonna hurt them too. I think what we're trying to say is don't split up the party. Yeah, yeah there we go. that's what. But one thing that's very what's very important if you're a two man team or if you're a sixty man team is to build a culture where it is okay to start raising the flag if something is wrong early and often. And that enthusiastically. Is, yeah, enthusiastically. That yes. is key to um, to healthy culture in building product. Yeah. You said you had a second question though. Yeah, and it kind of Sorry. from that one. Sure. Um, so, you know, where I work is it's gonna be smaller company, but we tend to grow a lot. And sure. as you know, we are Everyone in this at this con will laugh at you calling that a smaller company. <laughs> so ridiculous, but go on. I know, it it feels smaller to you, I yes. get it. those two hats is really hard like there's uh, I, I think the platonic ideal is a project manager who is not into content work at all um, uh, whether it's managing the content work or, or anything because I think once you live inside the schedule instead of outside owning the schedule uh, you really need someone else to kind of be the person who owns the schedule from the outside but realistically but that's not especially especially in companies that aren't that aren't even like mid-sized companies are like if you end up project management, management, it's usually because you've got a wide variety of skills, uh, and you will often end up being the pinch hitter for things. So even if you're not in a situation like you where it's because you are transitioning from one role or to another, or and you've got one set of roles, responsibilities, another, even if you're a straight project manager, you're often going to end up going, um, someone really needs to make the PowerPoint for this. And, there's n and I, as project manager, am uniquely aware that nobody has ownership of this. And it is, frankly, just easier for me to make the goddamn PowerPoint than to than hunt someone down and, and beat it into shape. It sounded oh. like you might have a thought on this. Um, yeah, hi. Um, I'm a uh, account manager and content strategist for Daily Solutions. Recommend 
but let's, let, let me let me finish up with her with, with hers and, and we'll round into that. Um, if you are being explicit about it, um, and it, as with many of the project management problems, communication mitigates most of it as long as everyone realizes what's going on. But the other thing is, it means is you end up having to learn how to project manage yourself, um, and frankly. Uh, that tends to mean that you're kind of an asshole boss. Um, <laughs> to yourself. Yes, exactly. Okay, because you, you can't tolerate the kind of crap you get from other people from you. That's, <laughs> that's just unacceptable. Right. Um, but, I, but, I, but I mean it very sincerely. I mean, you, it means that if you, as project manager, are willing to treat you as one more person that you are keeping track of, um, and if that means you literally take five minutes to talk to yourself to make you do the check-in because otherwise you won't remember to, then then do some do it. I mean, it it sounds silly, but as as we know, so many of these pro the project manager steps are really effectively rituals that exist to make you stop and think. Yeah. Then do that. Write yourself a note and, and yeah. And do you feel it's possible to like schedule those rituals? So you yeah. Can, you, yeah. So you must like, schedule those. Simulate rituals. the external person in, by in, right. setting up like. Alert, rich yes. calendar. And in events. fact, when, when you were talking about working as one, as a person yourself, if you can't get someone to ask you questions and prod you, then a working knowledge of Google Calendar can serve a very similar purpose. Yeah. So, just program the hell out of it and 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 lean on that because you it's the sort of thing you don't want to have to carry around in your brain. So if you can put it someplace safe, then then that's the way to do it. Um, uh, I'm literature. going to literature. Okay, so. Uh, the very first book on project management I would recommend to anyone is called Making Things Happen by a gentleman named Scott Birkin. That's a good book. Uh, B-E-R-K-U-N. Um, it used to be called The Art of Project Management and then he re retitled it. Um, it's probably the single best book I've ever read on project management, partly because it does not have a single Gantt chart in it. Um, By the and, way, Gantt charts yeah. suck. Can I say that? Am yes, I allowed to yes, say that? Absolutely. Gantt charts suck. Yeah, and don't, don't use them. Google yep. it and then stop thinking about it. Um, but uh, the second thing is it has it actually has probably the single best chapter I've ever read on the realities of office politics. Um, what was the author again? Uh, Scott Birkin, B-E-R-K-U-N. B-E-R-K-U-N? Yep. Yes, yes. Um, the, uh, if you are in technology... Um, the writings of Joel Splosky uh, are going to be consistently useful. Uh, he used to write a blog called Joel on Software. I think it transitioned to a mailing list or something. I or whatever. Don't know. But it's been compiled into books and stuff. Splosky, S-P-L-O-S-K-Y. No problem. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's totally reasonable. Um, there's also a gentleman named uh, Michael Lopp who writes under the pen of Rands in Repose, Yes. Uh, who wrote a book called Managing Humans, uh, of which the latest edition is just out. And you'll notice that some of this is management literature rather than project management literature. That's because, practically speaking, there is a lot of overlap in terms of what a good manager does and what a good project manager does. The problem is that the project manager doesn't have the authority to do it. So you have to make things happen, and that's and that's why the Birkin book is so good. The Birkin book is really all about you have no authority but need to make things happen. So let's why don't we try to make try to do that? Um, but one thing I want to add here is a lot of these are just flat out organizational techniques. Yep. Right? Projects have lots and lots of moving parts. And unfortunately, we are not, as single humans, great at everything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I write really well, but you don't ever want me doing your layout, right? right. So for example, just use myself as an example, yep. um, because I have like, no, I can't see color or something right. crazy. I just can't do it. Uh, so if, if I was going to produce a book, I would probably pay someone or outsource someone to do all my layout. Probably named Adam Dury and he'd laugh at me. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, right, so a lot of this is simply organizational skills of looking at your project and saying that I would like to take my project and I would like to put it in the hands of other human beings in a way that they can consume that looks polished and professional. So what are all the steps I need to get to there? You can conceivably do it all by yourself by contracting out to friends or contracting professionals and just sort of doing it in serial. But even then, you sort of want to have just enough project management to check in with yourself. Is the writing done? Are the rules done? Is, is my playtesting done? What does my playtesting schedule look like? Right. What do I want to get out of these playtests? What is it I want to do for an iteration on a playtest? How do I? How am I going to get my art? How am I going to get my layout? How am I going to get full playtests? How am I going to go to printer? How am I going to get softbound? So, I mean, if you're if you're if you're kind of starting from this as a writer, let's say, uh, uh, and you use any amount of outlining to organize your thoughts before you actually flesh it out, this is like the same exact thing. Only you're outlining everything outside of the writing. Yep. Um, if, yeah, and if, if you are a project manager, um, getting the, David Allen's Getting Things Done is a book that's worth reading even if you're not going to use it personally. Um, getting Things Done is a, it's a personal organization method. It's, it's very influential. Um, you will see a lot of references to it, a lot of books and things sourced from it. Um, but for the project manager in specific, Allen talks a lot about breaking things down into and and what he what he really emphasizes on is the next action what is the next physical action i need to take to make this thing happen um and it's very useful tool for saying okay i need to put up the christmas tree and for a lot of people they would say all right that's the thing i need to do i need to put up a christmas tree for the project manager they go all right well i'm gonna need to buy a christmas tree okay where am i gonna buy a christmas tree okay so i'm gonna have to google where I can buy a Christmas tree, and I'm gonna to have to clean out the car to get it, or get some rope. All right, I need, so I need to make a decision about whether I'm gonna clean out the car or get some rope. Okay, where am I gonna put the tree? Okay, uh, crap, how is the tree gonna stand? All right, so I need to find the Christmas tree stand. Okay, and then I need to move the couch. Oh crap, and if I'm moving the couch, I need to clean this thing up. And you literally, but literally that, that act of thinking through all of the things, at the end of it, you have this list of very concrete actions which you can do one at a time and which all have a very clear definition of done. And the great thing about that also is that it lets you experience this wonderful thing which is called narrowing your window from everything to what's now and what's next. Yep. And so long, and because someone has taken care of, maybe it's you, maybe it's someone else, project manager, has taken care of giving, of, of defining the end to end, you can just Narrow your window in and focus on what's now and what's next, and that makes the getting of e getting done of right. every part of that list seem so much more achievable. Yeah, because here's the rub. We all work better when we know what we need to be doing. Whatever it is, whatever is the thing that is that you do, do you draw, do you write, do you make sales calls, do you sell stuff? If you know what it is you need to do, if you've been given a clear direction on the next thing you're going to do, 
holy crap, you're going to be more productive. I, I, I know I am. When, when the task is laid out, the expectations are clear, and it's all right there, right there for me to say, this is what I am doing. Oh, it's relaxing. It's I'm focusing the on the thing. I'm not stressing about it. And I can produce so much work when I'm doing that. I don't get to do that anymore because now my job is to make sure other people can do that. Um, so to some extent, I'm a sin eater for the rest <laughs> of the company. That's um, very fair. Yeah, uh, I, I will take on the stress and the chaos and all of the juggling so that when the, when, the, when the folks who have work to do show up, I can say, here is the work that we need you to do. And they can do it without worrying about all the bullshit that I am up to my ears in. <laughs> Um, so, let's assume that you don't have the budget to go and, and comb a resume site for a professional project. Yes. But you want to hire them. Yes. So, if you can't go out and hire somebody who has a resume that reads project manager, what do you look for when you want to hire somebody? A really good technical writer. <laughs> okay. okay. So, here's, why, here's my reasoning on that. And this Not is just because you were... No, well, it reflects my bias. So here's the thing: a lot of people, a lot of people end up in project management. They don't set out to become project managers, but instead, someone looks around and notices that in meetings there's one person who's always taking really good notes and walking out with a really clear breakdown of what everyone it is needs to do, and always has their shit together and has managed to synthesize what various people are doing and can talk between separate groups, and that's what a project manager ends up doing. And that, that person tends to get tagged and say, hey, you know what you'd be much better at doing? How about we have you manage some projects? In a company that at least does reasonably good documentation, um, the technical writers are often the people who are talking to the widest variety of people in the company. They have the best amount of communication. And I like to think that people who are good writers are often more clear thinkers and better communicators because those tend to go hand in hand. So. If you're looking for someone unskilled, if you don't have a project manager, see who's taking notes and who can answer the questions. Or even better, if they can't answer the questions, can tell you what they're going to have to do to answer the questions. Because my biggest thing is I don't know the answers to many questions, but I can always tell you who has the answer. Right. Sorry, that's my instinct. Uh, you know, the thing there, though, is you're kind of talking about discovering that person in an environment where that person is present. Fair right? enough. And I think Eric's question is more about how yep. do I find this person in the ether? Or even just, you know, like, if I go to Twitter and say, hey, I got a project, anybody want to help me run yeah. it? And I get 20 people. What are the red flags? So, red so flags? What look, what, yeah, what's the, what's so, the first order filter? Yeah, so how do we test someone right. who says they're a project manager? I will the, all right. the, I, no, I've, I've got the well, answer I, that. I, mean, I, I think part yeah. of it is you kind of lay a fairly simple project idea in front of them and see what questions they ask you. Uh, exactly. It's, it's in fact, not even that. Who are the ones who answer you with intelligent questions rather than saying me, me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good, that's a in good fact, tell. Specifically, who are the ones who want to help you find the answer rather than be the answer? Yeah. Um, those, those, are, those are probably somewhat more useful. And you know, if you've, if you've, if you've built up a fan base, you've probably got some portion of folks who are going to respond to that call who have never really expressed an interest in producing your content, 
but are always really invested in where and when it's coming out. Yeah. Someone who can manage a bulletin board. Somebody there has a drive to make sure that you get your shit done, yeah. but not necessarily a drive to do that shit themselves. And that might be a good kind of a filter there too, if you're trying to like get someone to step forward instead of hoping that someone steps forward. Yeah, I mean, a, a good community organizer is going to have a similar overlap. Yeah, and I that's mean, actually kind of yeah. that's kind of what Sean was in the sense that he was doing a lot of um, uh, organizational stuff within the gaming community around uh, Chris's uh, game store Endgame, and uh, he was just and he was also you know a fan of people has products, but not somebody who wanted to come in and like write for us or edit it for us or anything like that, but really invested in seeing us uh, succeed. Um, and uh, you know because he managed to get the you know cat herding of uh, local gaming scene to do things together at, at, at certain times. That was a pretty strong indicator for us as well. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Look for good so, GMs. Good no, good GM no a good no, GM right. has has a lot of overlap with a good yeah, product. Some. And no no I, and most critically, good GMs can run good meetings. And we haven't touched on meetings much because there's not as much of that in the RPG space. Um, but oh my God. The skills that will the, the skills of pacing and moving focus and keeping a table going are the skills for making a meeting move smoothly. So I've done writing and sort of editing a lot of my yacht rabbit design. Yeah. Uh, I've now been asked to manage the group of five writers. Oh, 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 okay. oh, 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 oh. Who are all good GMs. Yep. Yeah, okay. you're screwed. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you're not good here. Look at that. that before, so I, right. I, okay. I, 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 I usually work on my own stuff, kind of. Manufacture a tight schedule. Well, yeah, like right. Yeah. Like that. yeah, okay. Humility. Regular humility. humility, regular check ins. Yep. I cannot emphasize yes. strongly enough what a regular check in of every couple of days will do because your employees, essentially what you are, right? You're managing them. They're basically like cats. They're like feral cats, right? And I can handle my employees in the store. Sure. Yeah. Right, right. But doesn't matter. But if you set up a Skype yeah. call once a week or they're on a Slack channel or you've got some regular communication where you're just like, at once at some regular interval, everyone is going to say, here's what I'm working on at the moment. Here's what I'm going to be working on. Here are the problems I'm having. And it can be that. It could be uh, everyone saying that and done in five minutes. Sean does it with weekly emails, I yep. think, in part because that, it, that that versus something like a Skype call has been judged to be the least intrusive. Yep. And you want you want your involvement to not be onerous in the perception of your feral cats. Um, but uh, uh, what was I going to get at there? Let me um, unpack I, I think, humility. I think, I think, well, yeah. sorry, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, no, I'll get that back ahead. to you in just Good. a sec. Uh, but uh, I think in terms of... Uh, best practices you'll also want to make sure that even though you are managing your stable of writers here you also have a understanding of the full context in which they are a piece uh, because as the person doing that oversight you have that responsibility for making sure that tab a fits in the slot b on each end of, the, uh, of, of that part of the pipeline uh, and they don't have that responsibility 
but your lens to them for that is deliver the, these things by these dates and we'll have these milestones at you know, 20, 40, 60, 80% along the way uh, that, that we're going to like, test, are we, are we at this point as scheduled? Um, and if not, that's when you start kind of doing, rearranging things downstream from that to, to accommodate and make sure that tab A is still lined up with slot B by the time you get there. So, on the million, there, there are a few tools in the project manager's quiver more powerful, mixing metaphors pretty badly there, uh, more powerful than the stupid question. <laughs> I'm just a project manager. I don't understand all of this stuff, but dot, dot, dot. If you're smart, you know that that's a trap. Um, <laughs> but most people are, are smart enough to, to think that it's not because, they, because, because you, will have, you do have smart, talented people, and they're good at what they do. And the trick of it is, my job is to help them, not to tell them how to do their job. And if they think I'm telling them how to do their job, they are going to rebel. And they're going to ignore me, and I'm going to be useless to them. And so, by, I, I have nothing invested in how smart or expert I am. I just ask questions, which, if they answer those questions, how strange that that tends to make them think about the thing that I need them to think about. Um, if you've got a bunch of GMs, then in all probability, those are people who are good enough at what they do that they can totally handle it. And all you're doing is checking in and saying, hey, so it's once a week. Is everything going well? Because I've got no reason to think it's not. Because, of course, you are brilliant and awesome and, and wonderful and it's no big deal. But we're just checking in. Uh, I know it's annoying, but you know, I'm the project manager. I got I got to do something to get my paycheck. <laughs> All right. So just just bear with me. It's take two minutes, and we'll just wrap it up. And great, and you can go and be on your way. Um, and the rub is, and you may not need to do anything more than that. They may have everything under control, uh, even without you checking in. They may have anything everything under control. And if so, awesome. Resist the urge to correct things that are not problems. Um, I, occasionally you'll run into the project manager who's like, oh God, everyone's doing all their work and everything's on time. I'm useless. No, no that means you've already done already your done job work. well. Yeah, I want to add one thing with freelancers, right? Because right. freelance talent is an endemic problem in the RPG industry. Of problem? <laughs> well, they, 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 they just like to qualify that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, just yes. that people like to flake. Oh, I yes. see what you mean. Yes. That's what I'm talking yeah. about is the, okay. flake, the flake issue, yeah. right? Uh, is not that, the ones that we keep hiring, though. No, not, <laughs> yeah. not no. Be, yeah. Well, Fred hires freelancers who do exactly what they say on yeah. spec and then turn it in on exactly on time, as requested. Well, no, not exactly. But close. But you're working with yeah. them to get them to do it, right? Right. So, um, so when, when I was freelancing very heavily, uh, was this uh, years ago, though, uh, one of the biggest problems was freelancer flake, mm -hmm. right? Is that every the basically the the project runner, the producer, or the project manager would set up this entire project and then have all these delivery dates and all these delivery times, and they put together all the contracts and they send out all the contracts and they push them out into the ether, and then the due date would come and ten percent of the project would come back, right? Yeah, and then would start the massive. Uh, panic of oh my god where did all my freelancers go they didn't turn anything in yeah. oh and then you contact them and they'd say oh that's due 
Well, you signed a contract that said it was due last right. week. Oh, what do you mean it's due? Oh, I'm, you know, I don't, yeah. I took another project or I don't have any time or all my time to do, it's gone or. And your, che your regular check-ins would have fixed that. And yep. so, so this is, this is just basic project management. If you're going to use uh, freelancers is that, that weekly check-in or critical. getting a Slack channel or something at least keeps people accountable and keeps them herded in a direction that will get them to at some person. At least you'll know what percentage are going to drop out of the project. And very simply, it keeps it visible, yep. right? Yeah. Now. Though that said, let me warn you about the positive, and this is just a specific thing to RPGs. Over delivery is a problem too. Yeah. Um, and and the writers won't think that's the case. They got contracted <laughs> yes. for a thousand words, and they got inspired and wrote eighteen hundred, and that's not a problem, right? It is totally a problem, and you need to make sure that you're communicating about it. And this one I'm just warning about because until you've encountered it for the first time, it's very easy to not realize this one's going to be a problem, especially if you are not the person who's doing layout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. There you go. All right. Uh, Jen, you had a question. Okay, so let's let's run let's run down the list. Um, Asana and Trello are the two first project management softwares that you you will point people at in general. They handle things different in different ways. Uh, Asana is an online web service that works in the traditional MS project uh, sort of way. It generates Gantt charts. It organizes things. And while Gantt charts are the devil, they actually can be very useful for constrained projects. Uh, they become dangerous when they expand to cover the entire wall, uh, which tends to happen. The Sonic can run into an adoption issue, though. Yes, so oh, it can, can because be it's very difficult to get people who yep. um, needing to think in that way, yep. to think in that way, and not just um, put stuff. In. Trello uh, puts things is basically a virtual board covered in Post-it notes uh, that lets you throw information on and move it around, and you can use it for for simulating workflows and for putting all the work in the first column and creating a column for everyone and, see, and then assigning it to people so it's there and it's visible, and that's great. And if people are comfortable using that, then that's super awesome. But it's also weird. Um, email is technically a great tool for this, except we all have too much email. Um, I, I'm sure someone maybe doesn't, but uh, the prospect of actually trying to manage everything in email all the time, in a business environment especially, is going to kill you dead because everyone's got a million things to deal with and stopping to look at the email is, is going to create a problem. Um, Dropbox, of all people, just released a product called Dropbox Paper, um, which yep. is a strange hybrid between Slack and Google Docs in a lot of ways, where basically you create a project, um, uh, whatever, and you, you assign people to it, and you just sort of attach things to it. So it has a timeline, and those things might be conversations or they might be files, and it's all kept up on Dropbox, so it's kind of fun and good to do it. Um, it's actually in the same space as the Basecamp's 37 Signals stuff, which uh, 
was the predecessor for a lot of this online collaboration stuff, but I can still never recommend because they're always a pain in the ass. Okay. Um, Google Docs is actually a strangely fantastic way to handle these sorts of things. Um, it literally, you can have a check-in doc and just have everyone just pop their head in and put some comments on it. Um, here is the great secret though. Do it yourself, where they can see it, and do it wrong. <laughs> Getting people to do things is hard. Getting people to correct you is easy. So, yep. well, not, it's not even dumb. I'm just like, I'm just going to put up a little summary of what you're working on. Yeah, I'll just put one bullet. And anyone who sees that goes, one bullet? I am doing so much more than one bullet. Um, yes. And you can't do it all the time, but that's a great way to hook in someone who's too important and busy to, to do a thing. I like think that. I'm not as down on email as, as people there because to some extent... You, that is, you no, are no, a no, professional no, no, no. email machine. Yes, <laughs> and yet I can also say that Sean is largely doing the stuff with, the, with email rather than these specialized True. tools. And the, 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 the challenge you're going to face is that these tools can absolutely organize your work in right. a very, very nice way. But getting other people to participate in those tools... Is, yep. is, is, it's really difficult, and so. email is something that they're already doing. So you're kind of, uh, I would advocate looking for the least complex right. solution that, that you can bear as the yep. project manager. Right now, it's, I have 12 handwritten calendars on the wall in my office and a spreadsheet that you can check in right. yep. email. And I didn't know if there was a, a site you were hiding. Yeah, no, I mean, well, the rub is. Ultimately, ultimately, anything a spreadsheet actually solves a lot of problems, and, and we tend to put bells and whistles around things that are often easily solved by spreadsheets. But the correct answer is, if there's something that they're currently willing to do, it is easier to alter what you do when you receive it than it is to retrain yeah. them to use something so else. That, that's kind of what I, what I was driving towards. It, 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 I, I don't think there are many tools that you can get your team to participate in in a they are pushing information to you sort of way. Um, and that's why email ends up being a big part of Sean's process. Now, Sean might use some specialized tools for organizing his personal yeah. understanding of that, but that's a really separate thing. And some of the tools that you were talking about, like Asana, Have didn't, ta didn't take well, uh, but didn't take off at Evil Hat yep. because it didn't work for the team members. It only worked for like yep. me and Sean, and that was not enough to like really run things um, out of. So it atrophied. I realize we've mentioned Slack many times. Is there anyone here who doesn't know what Slack is? Okay, Slack is Slack another web service. It is fantastic. It uh, is basically, if you ever did IRC, imagine that somebody created a modern version of I IRC yeah. that works on the web. IRC and Twitter had a beautiful baby and it's private and, it's and you can spin it up for yourself. Yep. And, and you create one for your, yep. Um, the, uh, we, we created one for our, for, our, for our Dungeons and Dragons group. Yeah. Um, and it's super handy for that. Um, and it then grew. Uh, yeah, it sure did. Do. Um, but, and Microsoft just launched a competing service, which I know nothing about yet, uh, except that but it exists. But the people at Slack were sure snarky about it. <laughs> yeah. um, any other questions before we wrap up? No, uh, did you have one, or did we end up... Never mind. Nope. All right, go ahead. Not so much a question, but as a freelancer, part of the yeah. issue with the online stuff is I've got one company on Asana, I've got another one on Trello, I've got yep. another one who just loves... What's that other one? Oh God, yes, that's one of the Base thirty-seven camp. signals. Yeah. Talking on yep. Slack, except for the ones who are doing like, I can't keep track. If I work for one company, that might be fine, but I don't, and most right. people in the RPG industry don't. Yeah. 
And email is kind of a universal funnel, so exactly. again, I'm going to advocate for email even though I know it makes your inbox well, cry. And, and therein lies the other rub is if you're a project manager, reach out to the freelancers and see if they need some help with this. Because if you can help build a single solution for Amanda, then yeah. you, then that's a useful Actually, thing for you too. I wonder if I can noodle on that and come up with a yeah. solution yeah. for you. I yeah. might be able to. Uh, I know that my, my last one is working with Ryan Macklin, and while he's on our Slack, we communicated entirely through Google Doc comments, yeah. which, uh, believe it or not, no, believe yeah. it or not, worked absolutely terrific yeah, because he could leave me a comment, I could reply to it, and make edits to the to the, the work, yeah. and then and, go, and then he and it goes into email, and you get the automatic notification in email. And I know some people who do that. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. so I have something. But now but I'm wondering if it's right. possible to come to, to, make to it come all up with a uh, right. to make it all hooks and make you something. All right, we declare victory, and as is the nature of good project management, we end the meeting on time. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> everybody go home. Wait, wait, wait. What went well? What didn't go <laughs> yes. so well? Yep. And what can we do better next, next time? time. Yep. Do that all, yeah. Yeah. all fine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, thank, thank you all. Thank you. Yeah, if anyone wants to totally everyone. nerd out on how to run good meetings, that's a totally valid sidebar. But <laughs> But, uh, we didn't do a proper retro. No, five no. Minutes left. I'm okay with that because it's freaking 11 o'clock at night. Can I get a recap of the email chain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get you a silly, right? Uh, I get you a silly. Guess what? What? Bat Mitzvah was this episode. This is nowadays. Nowadays, I just get summaries. I don't even get the email chains anymore. They're like, they're, you're that asshole that only reads the first two lines of emails. Oh, wow. Oh, we're going to hell. Uh, for Salesforce, yeah. we couldn't make it. It was like, hey, Chris, can you stick can you just go? Are you sticking around? I will be. I'm not sure how long, probably, but I, because oh, no, I can't stick around too long to set up for like.